Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, uh, joined by Sam, one of the regular rugby crew, making his first appearance of the new season. Uh, we're previewing Connacht. Uh, we're previewing all the provinces, but we're going to start, obviously, with Connacht, because that's who we support. And then we're followed by, obviously, Munster, Ulster and Leinster. Um, but, but first, Sam, you're a bit, you're a bit under the weather. You're, 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 uh, you're Michael Jordan flu game. You're, you're showing up for work, though. Yeah, it's a it's a mad one. I didn't think I would be this sick. I was kind of feeling slightly under the weather when I got home yesterday evening. I was in, in Ballyganeely visiting a friend, playing a bit of golf. Slightly under the weather, the girlfriend said, oh, your voice is sounding a bit off. And I said, yeah, it's a bit sore. Then I just couldn't sleep last night. I woke up this morning, I had to call the doctor, call in sick to work, went to the doctor, got a chest infection, got myself a weak antibiotics. So it's, uh, it's no fun, but I guess, you know, it's better to do it on a Monday than a Friday, I reckon. It's kind of deep though. It's kind of a sexy vibe you got going. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. Going for a bit of a sexy vibe. I needed to up the game, seeing as I was listening to last week and you had Mac Anson on, and he's not just the sexiest man on the planet. He's also very charming. I was like, Jesus, I don't want to be replaced by this lad. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, Sam. If that ever opportunity does come up, you're gone. Like yeah, in, oh, yeah. in, in okay. a heartbeat. You know, I'm not you gonna lie. Be, you want to be a Mac? You want to be in a Mac and Westy sandwich? I know. Oh, <laughs> who doesn't? Uh, but yeah, well, obviously, yeah. Your season is back this weekend. Uh, Connacht are kicking off with an interpro against Ulster up in Ulster. Um, first of all, uh, how excited are you to have Ruppy back, Sam? It's been a long time. No, but to have URC back, yeah, definitely. Really excited. But no, there's been there's been Connacht back really excited, especially kind of the end of last season. We were left kind of just wanting a little bit more out of the season. So it's it's nice to get it back now and to see all the new lads coming in. I think the start of every season is always a bit exciting as well. You get you get that new season kind of bump. There's gonna be an Astro pitch, that's gonna be pretty cool. There's a there's an opportunity to see Connacht to kind of right a few wrongs from last year. So really excited for Connacht. But yeah, no, in terms of rugby, it's uh, there's been no shortage of rugby the last couple of weeks anyway. It's been unbelievable. Like, it's even just watching the sevens the last couple of days has been excellent. So uh, so much rugby. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's let's summarise last season. So we've got a few topics, a few headlines we're going to use. Uh, first one is summarise last season. I think uh, up and down, I think as even Max said, uh, up and down, I think is probably the best way of summarising last season. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, some huge highs, some very, very low lows. It was there was some disappointing games in there. I, I prefer, you know me, I prefer to focus on the positives. I thought that there was a lot of promise there. I thought some players really came to the fore. I thought, you know, early results, that Stormers result in the sports ground, really Mac arriving on the scene the way he did and scoring that try. And then the uh, the Ulster game and the Aviva, I thought those were those were such high moments and it really showed that there was potential there. The first half against Leinster away, kind of, I was look, licking my lips going, this this team is you know, capable of great things, but they just couldn't see out games. They became running teams in this show. Like myself and Westy were joking about who's going to be the one to say this week that we just couldn't show, like just couldn't shut it down or couldn't finish out the game. So it was, yeah, it was a disappointing end to the season. Missing out on top eight. Top eight was always going to be so difficult uh, and is going to continue to be so difficult with the strength of the teams in the league now. Like, I think that you're seeing strength in the Scottish teams as well as in the South African, the introduction of South African teams. And we have to play all the provinces twice. So it's going to, it's always going to be difficult. So getting top eight, never going to be easy. We weren't too far off it. You know, it was, it was nine and nine season. Uh, probably flattered to see a little bit. We probably, probably weren't as good as that. There was a couple of results now that I think, you know, it wasn't as good as previous seasons under Andy Friend, but he still doesn't have a losing season under his belt. So it's, it's, it's an excellent record for him. 
Uh, on the whole, though, I think the positives you take out of the season was really the likes of Mac coming to the fore and uh, other players kind of stepping up and that kind of basis in which we can build on for this season is more what you take out of last season. Yeah, the overall result in the end of the season was, was quite disappointing. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with a lot of that. A lot of it, a lot of it was good. When it was good, it was great, and then when it was bad, it was really bad. And it seemed to be that the tougher the opponent, the better Connacht played. Where and then the the games where you know they're expected to and are better than other teams, they just didn't show up, which is obviously very frustrating. But um, yeah, top eight was always going to be tough, but it's it's still the goal this year. Um, we'll talk about um, uh, squad changes, but we'll start with the coaching. Obviously, the big change was. Um, Andy Friend going to director of rugby role uh, Peter Wilkins has moved to uh, senior coach but he'll still have the primary responsibility for attack uh, he's supported by Mossy Lawler who's been appointed assistant attack and skills coach in addition to Colin Tucker uh, who comes on board as defence and forwards uh, technical skills coach and you still have Deval Senecal involved as well um, who I think is kind of like line out sp- mainly isn't it I think that's what it yeah, is yeah it's, it's set piece I think it's, it's line out set piece it? yeah um, we've kind of heard whispers of this that it was already happening last year a little bit didn't we, Sam? We, we heard that Pete Wilkins was sort of kind of taking over that role and, and, and Andy Friend had gone to that director rugby role, uh, not officially, obviously, but um, kind of acting out the roles. Then when we saw Pete Wilkins go to New Zealand with the Irish tour, it sort of confirmed it, confirmed it to us a little bit that that's obviously they're, they're eyeing him as that kind of uh, successor to Andy Friend. Um, seems to be well-liked by the players, seems to be well-liked, obviously, by the IRFU uh, Andy Friend obviously trusts him to do this, so I think it's only it can only be a positive thing, right? Yeah, well, I think there was indications all through last year that that was the case. You 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 attend the press conferences weekly, and Pete Wilkins uh, was more prominent in the press conferences throughout the season, and kind of came to came to be one of the the main voices that you'd hear. He was forever being interviewed. I know Craggy do uh, an interview with coaches before the games as well, and on the day of the team announcement, and he was quite quite popular in terms of appearing on those Uh, and then talking to a few players we were talking to one or two players who had said that that had kind of been the case and that he was really starting to become a senior coach with friendly kind of moving more into like an empowering coaches sort of position a director of rugby without the title so I think it was was inevitable and it's timing wise it looks like an interesting one because the rumours are that you know friendly could be finishing up uh, this season his contract runs out at the end of the season there hasn't been any word on a new one probably looking to maybe move back to Australia. You know, it's been, he's been a long time traveling. He said so himself. So, you know, the going to New Zealand during the summer and then this position, I think, I think they're all indicators that we could look to, you know, maybe see Pete Wilkins taking over full time from next year on. So it's, it's timing wise, it's probably a positive time to do it. And like you said, when we were talking to Finley, you're talking to Mac, we're talking to other players. He's very, very well liked and, you know, the IRFU aren't going to fuck around with the tour to New Zealand and bring a, a coach for the sake of bringing a coach. Like, they, they, Farrell will have had a good say in that and the IRFU would have had a good say in that. And they spoke positively of him and he was there and he was he was speaking on the sideline at games and he was there throughout the historic win. So, it's a, you know, he's definitely got the belief of the higher-ups in the IRFU and in Ireland. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk about some some players. Uh, the players leaving was quite a, quite a lot, actually. Uh, quite a lot of big names, too. Obviously, Alton Delan, Sammy Arnold, Abraham Papali'i, Tia Tia Tuamaga, Matt Healy, Owen Masson, Peter Robb, Greg McGrath, Johnny Murphy, Ben O'Donnell, 
Dominic Robertson-McCoy and Peter Sullivan. Dominic um, Robertson-McCoy left for about a week. and then. Oh, sorry, yeah, he's actually back now by all accounts. Yeah, he's been in, sorry, we could scratch him off the list. Um, yeah, I think obviously the big ones there from last year, obviously Alton Delan uh, didn't always play you know the most, but um, a huge Connacht player in, over the last couple of, well, since he's been there really. Uh, Sammy Arnold, who played a lot last year for Connacht, um, even though he was announced that he was leaving pretty much early in the season. Uh, Abraham Papali'i, um, who was obviously a, a crowd favourite, one of our favourites. Uh, uh, we loved him a lot. He's obviously gone as well. Tia Tuamaga, who I think was disappointed not to get another contact contract offer by all accounts. Um, he's gone back to, originally had signed for a French club, but that fell through. So he's now gone back to New Zealand. I think he's back in New Zealand. Matt Healy, obviously Connick's record try scorer, um, announced his retirement from rugby. Um, he's now opened up a coffee shop at Nocturard. So um, do go out and support that if possible. Um, there was obviously a, a lot of as well that had left the likes of Ben O'Donnell who we never really got to see uh, his potential and not, not not due to his own fault obviously with the, the rules surrounding playing for I think it was for the Australian players um, you could only have so many I think Jared Butler and John Porch took up the two slots is that am I correct there Sam? Yeah it's just the amount that you're allowed to have of uh, non-callback players in the squad for match days uh, so it was just unfortunate and friendly explained at the time that Butler's Irish qualification, Irish citizenship, or Irish qualification through uh, residency. He ended up getting shafted with the change in the, the laws. He was supposed to be qualified after three, and then when it didn't happen, he got pushed to five. No, Donald had been signed in that interim period. So that was just an unfortunate set of circumstances. Uh, I do believe I've heard rumours that there's uh, one or two of the Australian teams in uh, the Super Rugby Pacifica looking at him so you know you'd love to see him get his go because it's a big regret of mine not seeing him more for Connacht because I think that he could have been quite like John Porch I know you're comparing like for like because they're both sevens Aussie Aussie sevens players but I do think that you know that explosive sevens power we've seen it with Hugo Keenan we've seen it with countless other players like when they're going they're exciting and that's that's something I think we did miss out on Connacht and there's a reason Friendy would have brought him over and Friendy said that he was an ultimate professional throughout the entire thing as well, so you, you can't fault him really. It's a shame to see him go. Uh, of the other players I've left, who do you think is going to be a couple of the biggest like, losses? Uh, it's hard to say, Alton Delan, uh, because he didn't feature much. But I think we, the, from the indications we got, was that players that weren't going to be signed on were really not picked as much as possible outside of necessity. Were like to to say uh, if. Take Sammy Arnold, for example, he was playing because everyone else was injured or away on international duty. But Alton seemed to just be left out in the cold for big periods of last year. But, you know, his his presence in Connacht for years and Matt Healy's presence in Connacht for years or two, that'll be hugely missed, I think. Uh, Matt Healy's the top price scorer in Connacht history and Alton Delan was integral to some of the best days in the recent history. Uh, and then Owen Masterson as well, I think, is a big shame to lose him. He's playing Pro D2 now and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him pop up in uh, top 14 or premiership in the next few years because he's a fantastic player one of the best defenders in the league even statistically it says that so uh, I think they'd be a big loss and then you know me personally I, uh, I'm a huge fan of Abraham Pavley and a huge fan of Sammy Arnold and I think the two of them are going to rip it up a breeze. I was watching highlights from their game the other day and the two of them were quite positively influential in the game you know Pavley was running the way he can and uh, Sammy Arnold was linking up play and running and tackling hard so I think that they're players that we might not necessarily... Sammy Arnold, you saw a lot of, but with Pabli, we didn't see much of. But I think that he's the type of player that we will always say that we are missing, and we had it for a while. So it's, I think it's a shame to see him go. I think a lot of the players that were let go uh, or moved on will be big misses for Connacht because a lot of them were there for a long time, but 
then again, we spoke about it last season, you know, there have been plenty of bad performances over the last while, you know, the last couple of years, even since the, since the winning season and before that as well. And some of those players were around for all of them. So maybe it was just a complete change of culture that was needed. So it's uh, it was sad to see a lot of them go. Uh, TT Tumanga was an interesting one, signed for Colmiers and Prodi 2, and then packed them in on the slide. Didn't want to leave New Zealand and signed for the Wellington Lions and you know, could push his way if he gets, he's just fit back fit now. He hasn't played for Wellington yet, but he could push his way into a hurricane squad if he plays well, you know, because the front rows are always spots always available there. So you'd love to see him do well as well. But yeah, some big misses, I think. Uh, squad depth as well, just sheer volume of players, sheer volume of like player turnover is never going to be easy for a team. Yeah, and even just for continuity, it's not ideal. But look, it, it is what it is. We also had a lot of players come in, though, and a lot of exciting players. Uh, Peter Dooley, Grant Stewart, who's only here for six months, but here nonetheless. Uh, Josh Murphy, Seamus Hurry-Langton, David Hawkshaw, Alan Byrne and Byron Ralston have all come in. Uh, obviously, four of those players coming from Leinster, um, which on the surface you think, oh, you know, Le- Leinster rejects coming down. But by all accounts, coming down with the right attitude. Friendy said that today, actually, in the press conference, that... Uh, they're all here to work hard. They're all here to kind of change the the narrative of the team, um, and he's obviously excited by that. He's very quite excited by uh, Adam Byrne and how the potential that he has uh, and getting it out of him. Um, then Grant Stewart obviously signed for a kind of injury cover for six months uh, with the announcement then of obviously um, Johnny Murphy, who's retired. Um, is, is it a, is it a retirement or is he just not playing? No, he's he he was. You know, released from Connacht, uh, not resigned, but he his statement was that he was not going to be able to play professional rugby. And then he followed up saying that he, he regrets not that he won't even be able to play for, I think his home team is Ballon Bal- Hinch in uh, the north. And he said that he regrets he'd never be able to play for them again. So he must be, he must be some sort of injury. Uh, which is obviously a shame, but he has that the hungry hooker business going. Uh, so he yeah, obviously so has that as well. As well. Like they're in, they're in most cafes around Galway now. It's tasty stuff. I was in Ground and Covenor more the other day, and I was like, oh, I saw the hungry hooker sign. I was like, I'll give it a try. And whew, diabetes is on the way here. Like. I was going to say, yeah, sh- packed full of sugar. I'm sure. Uh, Grand Stewart though, coming from Glasgow, uh, excited to see how he gets on. I don't know if it's a case of if the six months goes well, they might keep him on. Only time will tell. Um, Josh Murphy who I'm really excited about just because of how gutted Leinster fans were to lose him um, at the time when he was actually announced hadn't played a whole pile and then I think the next month or so he played actually quite a good bit uh, and looked quite looked quite impressive uh, David Hawkshaw obviously signing uh, only 23 years old playing 10 uh, has played 10 in the preseason and looks like he could be down to play 10 opening up him or Fitzy um, but I'm really excited by him just purely on the fact that obviously Jack is the starting 10 but Jack's out for a few weeks uh, with injury and if someone comes in like Hawkshaw and pushes him and if they overtake him that's fine but if they push him and even get more out of Jack Carty that's only going to be positive for Connacht um, Adam Byrne obviously we know what he can do we know how good he can be uh, only 28 still so still plenty of life in him and then the unknowns of Seamus Harry Langton and By- Byron Ralston obviously Byron Ralston unfortunately is following sort of in Mac Hansen's footsteps which is not the easiest shoes to fill Mac let on last week that he hates him as well <laughs> yeah he's like when they played younger they didn't like each other but he, now he's he's only 22 so he's, he's two years younger than uh, to Mac but um, again Mac seemed very impressed with him and again you know he's coming over here with you know some expectations but realistically no one not not a whole but no one's expecting him to be Mac Hansen uh, Hurley Langton we were kind of talking about Papa Lee leaving 
Hurry Lantern is kind of, I think, what the player they wanted Papali to be. Obviously, big physical carrier, but a bit more agile, a bit more around the pitch, a bit more of a, an, an engine or a bit more stamina. He's going to be a very good ground threat as well from uh, reading about him in the the Bunnings, I think. He's very he's meant to be a very good jackler. And, you know, if you have someone that can take a little bit of the pressure off Oliver to get over every ball, I think Prendergast gets over a lot of ball, but he also gives away a lot of penalties for being quite rash. So I think, you know, leaving him to do other, other side of things like relentless tackling and running and that side of things and letting Oliver and Hurley Langdon kind of mop up that that turnover sort of stuff it could be huge for us uh, and it gives us good rotation in the back row because we have some excellent back row players but we don't necessarily have like you know six or eight the way the Leinster do we have you know Pendergast and Oliver are fairly bang on your six and seven and then it's kind of between Boyle and Butler so as uh, I think that 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 mix and that added number there and you know Josh Murphy being able to play back row as well I think that that's just going to be positive. 100%. Uh, let's talk about the team's expected strength and weakness. I think we'll start with the weaknesses and get that out of the way. I think, obviously, f- coming over from last season, not finishing games, squad depth, uh, physicality, possibly, in terms of mauling and, and lineouts and just general physicality or, or at least size of players. I think those weaknesses will still be there. I'm hoping they won't be there in as much uh, or as strong as they were last year. I'm hoping that they've fixed the collapsing late in games. I think those that and squad depth goes hand in hand. Though is is that fair to say, Sam? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I think that not necessarily squad depth in terms of like the amount of players you have, but the standard of players. And I think that with the introduction of some of the players we've gotten, I think that we've improved the the twenty three that we have. I think we brought in a higher caliber of player, a higher caliber of replacement as well. Uh, you look at Hawkshaw; you might not necessarily oust Jack or uh, Bundy for the ten or the twelve or whatever position he's going to play. But he's definitely a, a very good prospect. And you said it kind of people might talk about the le- players we signed from Leinster being Leinster rejects, but I don't necessarily look at it like that. I think that Murphy and Dooley were both banging on the door and have moved for a reason. I think Byrne is been unlucky with injuries, but could actually hit some serious heights. And I think Hawkshaw was just in a position that was chock a block full of players and you know wanted to get an opportunity to play. He's still young. So those players will, I think, improve the 23, and that's what they were brought to do. And that's where I think that you might improve on your ability to finish games. Finishing games, it's, it's crazy because it can't be systemic if the system works for 60 minutes. So it must be fitness and depth-wise uh, that's letting us down. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully just empowering the players, being a little bit smarter with the ball, using it like the Le- Leicester game, with another one that really sticks out to me. We just, we just didn't play smart. You know, when we were on the back foot, we didn't just kind of eat up the clock a little bit. We just kept kicking it down and giving them opportunities. So hopefully he's not seeing that as much. The malls uh, from preseason, from all accounts, I didn't get to see either of the games, but from all accounts, the malls were quite strong and sale uh, held them up, kind of pinned them in. So, and when Deval Senegal was brought in first, that's a compliment we gave him. We said, oh, it looks like the mall has sorted itself. And then gradually throughout the season, it started to kind of crumble back to the way it had been before. So hopefully he just improves on that. And Dooley coming in will be help with that. Murphy as well. Murphy's a bit of a mall machine, goes through malls. So, yeah, uh, my biggest worry is the defence. And it's been something that we've said a couple of seasons in a row now where, like, the defensive system looks like it's on point, but players maybe not knowing the system well enough, shooting up at the wrong time and not shooting up at the right time and getting isolated and kind of being disjointed is something that's been, it's been a feature of the game under two different defensive coaches and we've changed the coaching system again. So I want to, I'm holding on a reserve in judgment, but I'm hoping that that is a big area of improvement because leaking early tries, leaking tries from kickoffs, leaking trying to 
second, third phase tries is just something we can't keep doing because it just puts you on the back foot so badly. Yeah, it was too many games last year where we were near the 50 points. I know there was a 50 points, you know, concession. Uh, and that's just not going to get it done. Uh, strengths, I think the brand of rugby that Connacht play, I think when it all clicks, I, I think they'll be unplayable at times. They will score tries um, the, and they'll score beautiful tries to watch as, as fans. Uh, I think if they can improve on that again with the players they've added, um, with the likes of Adam Byrne, the likes of uh, Ralston, the likes you know Mac progressing on another year, Jack or or Hawkshaw, um, I think that's that could only be a good thing as well. What, what do you think, strengths wise, Sam? Yeah, I think just building on the strengths from last year. I think there was games early on in the season that Ulster game or the first half against Leinster, uh, or the Stormers game. There was games like in the rain when we were throwing the ball about, like the All Blacks, like the vintage All Blacks team, and I think that that's just something that they build on. It, with the players they've gotten, they've brought in, it doesn't look like they're trying to veer away from that style of rugby. So to see that continue to improve, to see it on an Astro pitch when they start to get used to that 4G, see it build and build, and then the introduction of some some good players like you're, you're talking Ralston and Byrne to bring into that is the main strength and the thing that I'm most excited about seeing. It's, it's you know, I think going to Connacht Games, I know winning is the currency in professional sport, but I think that going to Connacht Games is always enjoyable just in terms of the spectacle kind of play a lovely brand of rugby and that's something they want to build on and keep going with so the introduction of some players and continuing that and then improving on the defense is what you know that's the strength of connect is to to kind of play the connect way yeah and then the 4g pitch should only help as well that fast brand of rugby um moving on now to young players to look out for i was looking through the squad there and there's a good few that actually kind of pop out and Really young players. I think Cahill Ford could have a, a big year again this year. The likes of Shane Jennings, if we'll see him. Um, the likes of Darren Murray, purely for the mullet. Uh, I'd like to see that on a pitch because it is... I want to see him and Niall together in a second row as well. I think it would be... Yeah, that would be cool. cool. to see. I think seeing stuff like that, they're, they're good news stories. That's what you want to see. It's like brothers playing together. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was really impressed with the small bits I saw last year of Dylan Tierney-Martin. Uh, I thought he'd come on, and when he did play, he's not the biggest hooker in the world. Uh, just more in height wise, he's he's quite he's quite large in in terms of his like muscles and stuff. But um, I think he could have a, a big show this year, especially if there is some issues around uh, hooker depth. And even the likes of the gushing Dowling, who I know he's he's played a lot last year, but he's still quite young. His his um, continuation of how good he gets, I think it'll be fantastic. Uh, Jordan Duggan as well, who we're big fans of in this podcast. Just them getting another year under the belt um, can only be good. Uh, but I think if I had to pick a few, I think, yeah, the likes of Carl Forge, uh, Shane Jennings and Tierney Martin, I think would be uh, the ones I would pick. What about you, Sam? Yeah, Tierney Martin uh, was one that I'm really excited for. I think he had some really nice cameos last year and he looks like a hell of a player. And then Owen the Butler was ripping it up for the Irish under-20s and he captained that. Uh, Eagle side, I know they lost to Leinster the last day, we captained that side and scored a try so I'm excited to see uh, the two of them massive year for Sam Elo as well uh, I know he was brought in on a professional contract that was really just to entice him away from Leinster because they were offered an academy contract by all accounts uh, and he didn't feature at all and we had heard from behind the scenes that it was because you know he's an absolute baller but his scrummaging just wasn't quite up to professional level yet so hopefully that's something he's worked on and if we can get him on the pitch a bit more that'll be that's a really exciting prospect uh so them jennings and then i've been excited for over a year now for shane bolton and unfortunately we have to wait another 10 12 weeks to see that but you know he's he looks like an absolute stud he's a machine he's a 
you know, big, fast center kind of in the mold of a younger sort of Bundy, maybe, you know, really aggressive and fast and he scored in his debut. So that's another player I'm excited to see down the line, uh, but it's not going to come in the next few weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, announced today, um, well, a few days ago when you're listening to this, but uh, I think, I don't know if he tore his pec or whatever, but he's getting surgery on his pec uh, and he'd be uh, like, I think, around 12 big, weeks. Like reduced yeah. Do you know who's never going to tear their pec? Me. That's, no. that's you know what I mean. Not not no, even have pecs. To tear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I I agree fully. He is he yeah, he's just a big he's a big lad and he's uh, fast and he's excited. Fast. And all the accounts when it was remember there was a day or two where it was like an Afrikaans newspaper kind of leaked the story and no one really knew the full extent of the story because Google Translate wasn't great and then no one realized why and we all went maybe he's got an Irish citizenship or something and. Uh, a lot of the uh, South African kind of beat journalists and like Twitters were just talking them up so much, saying how, how impressive he'd been at college level and, you know, underage and stuff. So when, I, when he was brought in, I thought he would have featured more last year, but maybe they didn't want to put too much pressure on him because there was a lot of injuries there and they wanted to just keep it to some more experienced heads. And Sammy Arnold was, you know, he was integral to keeping us, like the, he was the glue last year, really kind of holding two, holding two tearing sides together uh, for a lot of it. So... You know, I thought with him moving on, it would be a chance to see a bit more of Bolton, but unfortunately he's injured. So hopefully it doesn't go the way of Ben O'Donnell. We just don't end up seeing him because I presume he was on a two-year when he signed, so his contract will be out at the end of the season. Hopefully he gets a chance to push on. Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll finish up with this. Um, what's a good season? What's a great season? So Connacht finished 11th last year in the table. Nine wins, nine losses. Uh, minus 103 point differential, which I think uh, that's it comes down to the defensive issues that we were talking about. Uh, considering the teams around them are around like minus 50, minus 40, minus 40. Teams around us don't have to play Leinster, Ulster, and Munster three wow, times. That is that is, that is true. That is true. They also don't ship 50 to fucking Edinburgh as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too. Uh, I think a good season is top eight, uh, no matter where it is, even if it's just scraping in top eight, just getting back into that Champions Cup. Um, I think then a great year for me would be top eight again anywhere and then giving the Challenge Cup a really good go getting to the later stages of that having a proper crack at it and a proper chance of silverware um, I think would be fantastic in terms of you know Challenge Cup is not ideal but when you're down there you might as well try and go win it um, and then you guarantee your spot in the Champions Cup as well which would uh, probably be good for the league so uh, yeah anywhere top 8 I think is, is good and then given given the, the Challenge Cup a good a good lash I think would be a great season I think the Challenge Cup has done a big disservice by the fact that BT who carry it don't fucking play half the games it makes it seem like a Mickey Mouse competition but when you look at it every year you look at it and you're looking at some of the teams and you're talking about some top European pedigree teams in that competition it's not easy and it's something like if we could do a run in it like i exactly i agree completely top eight's a good season top eight's what we should be aiming for but top eight in a run would be a great season i'd love to get you know quarter semi-final of that uh we have a right go at it i give the fans some memorable away european days as well like you know i'm good at i'm looking at the schedule for breathe and it's just too close to christmas and i can't get the tickets but i would absolutely kill to go over and see breathe like kind of breathe you know Bob Lee, Sammy Arnold, there'll be some bite in that. We know how Sammy Arnold reacted when he went back to Munster games. You know, there will be some bite in that game. It's going to be a great tournament. It's just a shame that in the past few years, hopefully it changes. The BT have paid a lip service and not put every game on and available. You have the rights to things, fucking promote them. It's like diminishing your own product there. And that's my issue with it. I think that it's done a disservice. It's, you know, the Europa League and soccer is a big tournament and people tune into it when their team are playing. I, in the past, had to listen to uh challenge cup games on 
Galway Bay, which is great that they do it and you know they do live commentary, but because it wasn't available on TV, which is frustrating. So yeah, I think a good season would be scraping top eight. Uh, it's probably what we should be hoping for. It's it's a really tough top eight to break into. I'm looking at last year's one. You know, you're talking about the South African teams there. You talk about the two Scottish teams who have it. You know, they have Treviso and Zebra twice, so they kind of have a slightly easier run at it. Uh, Treviso this year are also bent on. Are also not going to have Montione as well. He just signed for Rebels today. He was released from his Italian con- or from the contract with them. Supposedly still going to be in the mix for Italy, but I can't see him ever playing for Italy again. It's just no way he's going to get released from Rebels to play Six Nations games for Italy. But uh, that's, you know, that's that makes it a little bit easier for them. And then it's uh, the Irish teams are just so strong. It's so hard to play against them. So scraping top eight, very, very good season. You know, getting through the Challenge Cup group stage, a little bit of a run at it, excellent season. Big hope. It's ambiguous as to whether or not Bundy's contract is up at the end of this season or after the World Cup. It looked when he announced it, it was the end of this season, but when he was on the Tanu Maga podcast, he said he was contracted until the end of the World Cup. So it might be kind of just over three years as opposed to the three years that were announced. But you want to sign him up because he's just so integral to everything positive about Connacht, even just from a marketing point of view. He is Mr. Connacht. Like, and that would be, yeah, that would be a massive hope for me. We signed up Carty, we signed up Prendergast, we signed up Finley last year. We've, you know, we've been tying down big players and, and Mac as well. We've been tying down our big name players. We want to keep doing that, and Bundy is integral to that. Yeah, I think Mac, or sorry, Bundy's been so vocal about how much he loves Go and that it's home and stuff like that. I can't see him unless he went back to New Zealand or something like that. No, or just if the body's just not up for it. Because yeah, know, I he, think I don't think he's going to go to a different province though. Or but his body, I wouldn't think in different province. But I like you wouldn't blame him for setting up on the beach for a year or two at the end of his career, going to South France or something. But like his body is just you know he, it's taken such a beating. He's strapped up completely in New Zealand. He's you know he's plays every minute he possibly can. He puts his body on the line constantly. And that catches up with you. So, yeah, I just hope that we sign him on again at the end of this season or if it is the end of the World Cup or gets another central contract. You know, the IRFU were giving out year-long central contracts to older lads. So hopefully he gets one. But, yeah, you wouldn't blame him. If Bundy doesn't and some of the other lads that got one got one, I'm going to be upset. Let's just say that. But, uh, look, yeah, well, well, that's for that's for a different podcast. Uh, we'll wrap it up there, Sam. Thanks for coming on to do that. We're excited for the uh, the rest of the season, or for the season to start. Uh, as always, we are hopeful for Connacht. Uh, but coming up next, we'll, we'll have the other three provinces. So, thanks, Sam. No problem. Bye. We're now joined by Peter Lockhart, uh, who will be representing Ulster on tonight's podcast. Peter is from the Red Hand podcast website, kind of anything at all on Ulster Rugby, you'll find uh, Peter uh, there with the Red Hand. Peter, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Pleasure to speak to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, we're just discussing uh, the Red Hand. Now, you've done a, a rebrand. Do you want to just give a little pitch there for everyone listening at home? If, uh, yeah. if you want to get some Ulster content, that's where you go. Always appreciate a plug, absolutely. So the redhand.co. So it's um it's sort of a rebrand of Ulster Rugby Lads. It's um more content, more regular content, um, articles, analysis, interviews all throughout the season. So uh excited for it because uh it'll be more more uh, regular and more quality content than we've done before. So very excited for it. Definitely, yeah. As as Ulster is my my home province, so I always like to keep an eye on them, and I hope they do well. So definitely be checking out Peter's stuff. Uh, Peter, the rugby's back. URC is back. We've had a few months off from the circus show, as we were saying. Um, how excited are you to get the rugby back up and running? 
Yeah, it was great. We got a wee taster um, again. It was last week against uh, Exeter, the friendly. Uh, so we're back at the Kingspan Stadium and uh, it was pretty well attended. You know, it was a good crowd there, good atmosphere. And obviously it's not a competitive game, but um, they, they did well. We got a good win over Exeter um, and we got to see a lot of young guys. I'll talk a wee bit more about that later, but um, a few a few names that people maybe aren't so familiar with and also a lot of the new signings, which again is something I'm sure we'll touch on in this podcast. But yeah, excited to have it back. Uh, we've had this sort of unexpected week break and then um, straight into it with, with Connacht, you know, uh, coming up here. So yeah, I mean, always you start the season very optimistic and then uh, <laughs> the business end of the season reality tends to hit. But uh, always excited. I'll never be deterred from that. Yeah, at the start of the season, you haven't lost any games yet. You know, it's, it's easy to be optimistic. Uh, 100%, 100% record so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on, we'll summarise last season, obviously finishing third in the in the URC table. Uh, was fantastic for Ulster. Uh, Twelve wins out of eighteen is nothing to be scoffed at. And uh, playing a lovely brand of rugby as well. But uh, from an Ulster fan perspective, do you want to summarise last season first? Yeah, as you say, it's a, a bit of a mixed bag. Um, it was a frustrating season in some senses because um, I thought the potential to do just that. I mean, it's a game of margins. Sorry, I'm just going to say every cliche in the book here. <laughs> but no, it really was. Uh, it was very frustrating. Um, the exciting thing about it, I suppose, is that Ulster proved they can beat anyone on their day. Uh, certainly our starting 15 um, pulled off some great wins. Um, uh, we got the double over Leinster, which was a highlight. Um, and then it was just, I mean, it, it was the last minute against the Stormers um, away uh, in Cape Town. And... Um, uh, we just haven't finished games well. Uh, the other one, of, of course, the quarter, uh, sorry, the the round of 16 against Toulouse. Uh, we lost that on, on aggregate and we, we won away and then somehow uh, lost at home. And it is just, sometimes it's just a bit of luck is what you need. And we just didn't have it last season. Now, there are, I'm not going to leave it there. I think there are... Uh, reasons we lost those and uh, we can talk about that in terms of the strengths and weaknesses of Ulster in my opinion this season we need to address a couple of things some of the business we've done over the summer uh, may help towards that a big issue is depth and being able rugby is a game where you need to be able to bring on a strong bench of players and for whatever reason uh, McFarland was reluctant to do that at key times he didn't maybe trust the guys uh, he had on the bench and it showed because we actually started a lot of games very well, um, but didn't finish them well. And that's <laughs> I mean, finishing the game well is pretty crucial as well. I know it's always the chat in the, the the dressing room before matches. We need to start this game well, but actually uh, finishing is equally, <laughs> equally important, I'm afraid. And that just didn't work right at times for us last season. Yeah, it was similar. Connacht was on a much grander scale and much more frequently than, than Ulster. But I think after the first few kind of collapses, I think Ulster, I'm sure the players themselves, as in they're only human, they're going to know that that's sort of the stigma. Teams playing them also know that, you know, in the last 20 minutes, you can kind of get at, at this team. They might not be at their best the last 20 minutes. That It's just such a, a disadvantage for a team to be like that. Are you hoping that's changed this year? 
Yeah, well, there's a, a sports psychologist has come on board. I think they came on at some stage last season, but maybe didn't ha- get the, get the squad up, quite up to speed in time. But I mean, it'll be a combination of psychology, winning mentality, but also, I mean, just very practical reasons. People being dead on their feet in the last twenty minutes, and you could see to, to get slightly more technical, you could see at times Ulster just flagging. They became a lot more narrow in defence, which tends to happen. Tired defences. And you leave gaps outside. You're not competing at the breakdown as much. There's guys like Vermeulen we rely on extremely heavily in the same way we relied on Kutsia. Um, guys like that, you can't expect to maybe last the full 80. And you need someone to come on who's maybe not at Vermeulen's level, but hopefully not too far off that. And we just maybe don't have that uh, level of quality, or certainly we didn't um, have that level of quality last season required. So... Look, I think there are areas that we've made efforts to address, and I think uh, uh, particularly bringing in a, a couple of a couple of good uh, signings in the in the back row in the pack. I think the pack is is an area which um, we've sought to address, but again, we'll talk about that I'm sure in a, in a wee minute. Yeah, that's a good segue into our next kind of topic. So let's start with the squad changes, players in, players out. Uh, we could talk about coaching staff as well, but as far as I'm aware, there's been no coaching changes, has there? Yeah, well, just Johnny Bell, who's come in as the defence coach. So Johnny Bell uh, replacing Jared Payne. Um, so uh, one former Ulster and Ireland outside centre for another. Uh, Johnny Bell was uh, at, he was at Gloucester. He sort of followed David Humphreys to Gloucester um, and then uh, ended up at Worcester and has come back. He's probably made a good decision <laughs> with all that's going on at Worcester. In recent light, yeah. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he didn't know that, but it's worked out very well. And uh, anyway, he's he's come back, so that's the only uh, coaching change. But in terms of the squad changes, um, uh, the players in, um, I, I, I sort of just sort of run through them. Just for anyone who's not aware, uh, Sean Raffle from Saracens is coming in the back row. He's sort of a dedicated seven, a chopper, and a bit of a, a, um, a turnover machine from what we've seen and. Uh, everything I've I've seen of him previously playing for Saracens, he's uh, a real threat, a real potent threat at the breakdown. So delighted to have him on board. And uh, last week we saw against Exeter. Now it was just a friendly, but he absolutely tormented them. He's a pest at the breakdown, and that's exactly what we need. Ulster, um, I mean, at their best, they're very good at slowing the ball down. A few good guys doing that would be Raffle, Marcus Ryan from Mullen, and. Uh, that's a formidable back row if if we get those guys all starting together. The other guy, uh, slightly less high profile, Declan Moore has come in at Hooker. Um, his former Munster uh, guy who who signed on a short term contract last season and that's been extended. He looks promising. He's pretty mobile for a Hooker. Gets around, ball carries, and contributes in the loose. Um, the other uh, Frank Bradshaw Ryan, uh, six foot nine, second row. Uh, assigned from the French team uh, uh, in the D2, so sort of French second division, has come over. Um, and again, like just sheer sheer size, you'd, you'd like to think you'll be a, a pretty good line-out operator. Again, I haven't, uh, I don't, my, I do try and watch as much rugby as I can, but doesn't extend to the French second division, I'm afraid. Everything I've heard about him, though, he's, he's, uh, he's solid, he's uh, relatively highly rated. And he's he's twenty six. You know he should be uh, coming into his sort of peak now. And um, let's let's see how he gets on. We saw him a wee bit last week, but haven't seen enough to comment on really. Um, well, there are a couple of big ones. Um, 
Uh, Jeffrey Tamaga Allen, who's a tight head prop. It's not really what we needed, in my opinion. I think we needed a big loose head prop. Now, there's rumours that we were signing a South African uh, loose head after the World Cup, uh, Stephen Kitchoff. So, um, now, I don't know if that's true, but I do enjoy a good rumour. And um, we'll wait and see if that comes to fruition. But in any event, we've signed uh, Tamaga Allen, who's actually a former All Black. I think he got one cap uh, eight or nine years ago, but um, he's still a former All Black. Let's not take <laughs> take that away from him. Um, what, one I mean, cap more than me and you, anyway, Peter. So, you know, he has that. Absolutely. So um, he's, again, he's. Uh, he looked, to be honest, we saw a wee bit of him last week. He looked absolutely punctured after about 20 minutes. And that is exactly what you expect from a from a prop coming in. And we'll not hold that against him either because um look, he's he's been out, he hasn't played in a while. That's exactly that's the whole point of him uh, taking part in, in these preseason friendlies. And we could have used the same day before we started recording, we could have used another friendly against Glasgow. Because you just need, there's nothing like playing. You can do all you want in training, but there's nothing like playing games. And we need guys like that to get up to up to scratch before the season. Um, uh, very briefly, there's a young guy, uh, Shay O'Brien, who has made the, the step up uh, from AIL rugby. Uh, he played for City of Armagh. He's a fullback. He, he played uh, last week in the friendly against Exeter. Uh, he looked pretty good. You know, he had a mixed bag in the sense that. He uh, scored a disallowed try, and then about two minutes later, uh, he got yellow carded. But uh, yeah, he's again. It's good to see guys like that coming from from clubs. You know, taking the the path less travelled, and uh, and coming in that way. And the other guy, Jake Flannery from Munster, he's a a, a young ten who, who came in. He looked really assured uh, last week. He started actually at ten. Uh, he didn't get much of a chance at Munster. I don't think it's. It's not one of those ones that just sort of let him go. I think people were genuinely a, a bit reluctant to see him go, but he wants a bit of rugby. Uh, Ulster maybe don't have a huge amount of depth at 10, so we'll get uh, more minutes, hopefully, at Ulster. And, uh, yeah, just very sort of depth. Uh, we hands, we touches on the ball, just look quality. Uh, a really delicate sort of well-weighted cross kick for Rob Little to score. And it's... Uh, He's clearly got the skills, but more than that, he's got the confidence to try stuff like that, which is great to see. Um, and the other exciting one, and this will conclude the list, you'll be glad to know, is Michael McDonald from uh, from Australia, um, from Waratahs, I think he was. And um, again, I, I hadn't seen much of him, but it, he's he looks like a guy who's going to come in and compete with both Duke and Cooney, uh, which is which is great. So um, that's exactly what we want. So that's. Uh, that's basically everyone that we're bringing in, which is it's pretty exciting. You know, it's a good raft of of guys coming in, and uh, happy to see that. Yeah, obviously the big story of that would be obviously the potential kits off signing. That would be incredible. Um, I think that would you know that would uh, ruffle a few feathers among the URC. So that would be, that yeah. would be exciting. Take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm saying I love a good rumor because it's always like it could be absolute horseshit, or it could be it could be yeah, you could have already signed. Um, yeah, yeah. That's thank. That's great. That was a great list. Thank you very much. Um, let's go into the team's expected strengths and weaknesses for this year. Yeah. So, um, in terms of strengths and weaknesses, uh, we've already touched on the fact that Ulster are good at starting games and bad finishing them. Um, uh, we had sort of on average the most points scored in the first twenty minutes of our European games last year. So 
got off to that good start, but then we flagged later on, didn't look to the bench, and McFarland didn't maybe didn't trust the squad, the wider squad enough. Um, so in terms of that's uh, again, that's a strength and a weakness. We need to sort out finishing games off. Um, and again, as we discussed, that's sort of a psychological thing, and it's a winning mentality as well that we need to instill. Um, and hopefully we can do that. In terms of other things, uh, breakdown, nuisance, um, Ulster, Ulster are good uh, at the breakdown. There's quite a lot of turnovers. Guys like uh, Rob Herring, who had his best, is really good jackler. Uh, for Mullen, Marcus Ray, Sean uh, Raffle, it will hopefully provide a bit of that as well. So uh, that's a really good, uh, if, I mean, in simple terms, like if you can slow down the opposition ball and speed up your own rock ball, fantastic. Um, one of the issues of doing that is if you try and slow the, the ball down too much and you dedicate players to that, you risk sort of taking guys out of the defensive line, which makes you narrower, which means that you can you can uh, open up holes in your defence and and concede that way because um, you've got bodies committed to the ruck. So in terms of in terms of that, we need to get that right. Um, and that's uh, that could be a potential pitfall for us, I suppose. We just need... Uh, we've got so many guys who are willing to get stuck in the rucks there. We need to just make sure only one or two of them dedicate themselves and uh, the other guys fan out. Um, in terms of strengths, an obvious one is the back line. The, the, the back line strength is, is huge. Um, I, I, I can make the obvious point that like, these guys are electric in attack. Um, Balakun... Uh, Lowry, Stock, Dale McElroy, um, and then you got in the centres. Obviously, James Hume, Stuart McCloskey. That's a fantastic backline. Uh, they're good at the unglamorous stuff as well, though. So, in terms of catching high balls, competing in the air, defensive work, they can do that as well. Uh, but particularly, uh, Mike Lowry has it has it all. I hope to see him play more for Ireland, um, even if it means he's he, he deserves his chance, even if that means he's away for Ulster, which. Again, a bit disappointing, but um, uh, Laurie will get more of a chance, as will Balakun. One thing with Balakun, I'd say, is um, we need to see him get involved more in games. Uh, he, he has enormous talent and enormous potential, but uh, naturally enough for a winger, he stood out there. He stood out in the wing. I love to see moves. Um, Ulster sort of facilitate him more so that he can pick lines, come in um, and receive the ball a bit more because he's wasted to an extent. He's a wee bit wasted out there. Um, uh, the, the other sort of big news is Stockdale's back. Now, Stockdale had been out of form for a while. Um, he got a fair bit of criticism due to playing for Ireland. Potentially, you could say maybe out of position at fullback, albeit he's got a lot of experience there. I see him as a winger. I think that's his best position. So Stockdale's back. So, so that sort of completes that ridiculous um, quality in the back line. Um, and that's not even, I haven't really touched that much on human, human McCluskey. Um, human in particular, we know we know sort of what McCluskey does and, and can do. In terms of Hume, his ceiling is so high as, as a player. He's, um, he could be competing for an Ireland place, you know, and he wouldn't look out of place if he were to take over from the likes of Henshaw or, or Aki or Ringrose, you know, I'm not saying he should, but I'm saying, you know, it wouldn't be a massive decrease in quality. Uh, in my opinion, you, um, certainly with a bit more experience could, could be right up there. Um, in terms of weaknesses forwards, very briefly, like we have a pack which on its day can do a job, but maybe lack a wee bit of quality there. So you're looking at um, 
the uh, certain certain positions in there, and it's not a crit- criticism of the guys, but uh, maybe just not at that next level. You know, good solid players, but maybe just not the next level. Loose loose heads, maybe uh, uh, a bit of a uh, not a weakness, but just somewhere we don't maybe stand out enough. Um, Andy Warwick and Eric O'Sullivan um, are basically our options there at the minute. Uh, so I'd like to see, and even second row, see how, how Bradshaw Ryan gets on. Uh, but look, the forwards, in terms of depth there, we just maybe lack a wee bit of depth, so we need more of that. So that's a very brief rundown of, of strengths and weaknesses, but um, I could go on, but that's sort of the, the, the key bullet points, uh, just finishing games, um, making ourselves a, a nuisance at the breakdown and utilising the, the back the back line now. That takes that takes an effort from the the pack uh, to unleash the backs, you know. So, um, I think if I were compiling a a rugby team, you'd focus first on your forwards and get as many top quality forwards uh, in there as you can. Maybe that's where we're lacking. Yeah, no, they're all great points. The two the two that uh, out of all those interest me obviously is yeah Stockdale's return just to see what happens with him, um, just because he hasn't played in so long, and you know for someone who started their career so on fire that um you know he had a bit of a setback to see how he responds is going to be fascinating and yeah Balakoon we've seen with Mac Hansen and and James Lowe the teams used coming in off the wing getting much involved uh, very much involved in the midfield and it's brought great success to both Ireland and the two provinces um I've no doubt my ba- mind Balakoon can do the exact same job if not better so um I think that's definitely something to have to exploit that's that's a good point to bring up um let's finish up with this Peter Give me, give me a good season for Ulster, and then give me a great season for Ulster. Let's keep it positive. Yeah, I know. So a good season for Ulster, I suppose, uh, maybe going one step beyond last year, maybe making the final of the URC and maybe making the quarterfinals of the uh, of Europe. That would be um, that would be a good season. So it was a great season. I don't say this. This this is a familiar problem with Ulster fans. Maybe a lack of ambition. I don't see us maybe winning the URC. I think the South African teams are extremely strong and then you have the likes of Leinster as well to think about. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think a, a, a semi-final in Europe would be awesome. Uh, that would be a great season. I think we'd be I think we'd be pretty happy with that, to be honest. And um, yeah, maybe that's... No, no, I'm going to say yeah. That would, be, that would be a great season. However unrealistic maybe that sounds, I think that would be a great season. Not at all. You have to you have to be unrealistic at the start of the season. Then you can you can taper it as, as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. We'll we'll wrap it up there, Peter. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, I'll be very much looking forward to watching Ulster this year. As I said, great to watch, and I always like to see him doing well along with Connacht. So, um, as I said, check out all of Peter's stuff on theredhand.co. Uh, well worth giving it a read, a listen. He's got some great interviews and some great uh, analysis on games. So, uh, Peter, thanks very much for joining us. We'll catch you later. That's great. It's a pleasure, Stephen. Thanks. Now, representing Munster, we have friend of the podcast, regular guest at this stage, Owen Harrison, uh, over the hill prop on Twitter. You'll see him on Provincial State of Mind. Uh, well worth the follow and well worth the listen and always uh, up for a bit of a laugh. So, Owen, uh, welcome back to the podcast. New season ahead of us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Stephen. Glad to be back. Uh, as my official capacity, or in my official capacity as uh, Sammy's uh, burner account. Also, yeah, not here again when you're here. Uh, we, we actually don't plan these things, it just seems to happen, <laughs> coincidentally. But yes, yeah, another 
more fuel to the rumour I love it uh, new, new season coming up uh, I know you're an absolute rugby nut so you must be very excited to have weekly rugby back I am delighted to have weekly rugby back because it is something to take away from the pain of my summer of coaching GAA um, what age groups? Uh, under 10 minor and senior oh, I'd say under 10 could be the potentially the worst is it? <laughs> the most frustrating <laughs> No, I go with senior for that. <laughs> senior, okay. Trying, trying try to round them up on a Sunday morning. Yes, that. Yeah, that's that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't know you were doing that sort of thing. Yeah, I've I've, I've never coached in my life. I would never potentially want to, but uh, I've heard that the GA can get pretty. Uh, uh, I don't know what the best word to use is. What word would you use, Owen, in your experience? Uh, intense. I like to call my under tens the junior fight club. Nice children's fight club. Yeah. I just I don't I don't fully understand or know the rules of Gaelic football, so I just let them go at it. <laughs> what better way to learn uh, at the deep yeah. end? <laughs> uh, your beloved Munster are, are out again this coming weekend. Uh, we'll start away summarising last year, uh, finishing sixth in the URC table, but only three points behind third. That third to like seventh was very fightly t- fought until the last kind of day. Um, Eleven wins out of eighteen. But as a, from a Munster's point of view and a fan's point of view, uh, Owen, how would you summarise uh, Munster's season last year? Um, putting it politely, I'd call it disappointing. Um, and I think it, it's been that way, or it was that way under Van Graan's, I suppose, um, tenure, for for his entire tenure there. I mean, like like a lot of his seasons, things started okay, it went well, they've you know they they built they built up a nice accumulation of points, but once it got to the the business end of the season, things he they weren't at the races, and I think that that comes up to a, a sort of a, uh, I suppose, a lot of factors, including sort of whether it's injuries, whether it's um, style of play, whether it's players coming through, etc., things like that. There was a lot in it, but it's a consistent message over over the last few years. As you say, there were six in the URC in the regular season, but they were third in the Irish Shield. You know, um, and when you look at the interprovincial games, you know they they split home and away with Connacht. They did the double over Ulster in the regular season. They were comprehensively beaten by Leinster in both games. And to be fair, they were destroyed by Ulster in Belfast in the knockouts. And I think that sort of sums up the URC season for them. I think then when you sort of you look at Europe, I mean, and I think this is maybe where this is, they say, what is it? Hope hope is the real killer. Um, you know, Munster consistently outperform themselves in Europe and at times in, in the URC, but I would say consistently in Europe. And then it gets you to a certain point where performance one-off performances can go, oh my God, you know, they're they're nearly there. If they can just continue on this track, they can do something. But I mean, like they got that massive win w- against Wasps with the, the sort of where COVID had completely and utterly decimated the team. They were calling on sort of provincial players. They were calling up club players from the AIL to sort of to fill in. And they got a massive away win with those with those young players. And they backed it up then um, against Cast home and away. Um but again, it's sort of they beat Exeter over the two legs. But I mean, Exeter aren't the team that they were a couple of seasons ago. They're they're more that mid-tier English team again. And I think that's sort of kicked it. And then while it was a brave performance and won really for the fans against Toulouse in the Aviva, that was a game they should have won and sort of we'll we'll come on to it a little bit later. But I mean, like the the weaknesses in the squad were shown up there, and I don't think they've been addressed. 
Yeah, the the game that stuck out for me when kind of thinking of thinking back on one season, what it was that knockout URC game against Ulster, where there it just didn't seem like there was any fight. There was no, they didn't throw a punch. They didn't really just show up at all. And it was a. Uh, I remember in the lead up to that game, I was like, I know Ulster should probably win this game, but I was just screaming like it was given kind of kind of shitty conditions. I think was it was it bad conditions that night, or am I mistaken there? No, I think I think it was good. It was good good condition. Yeah. But I was thinking it was going to be a it was just going to be a, a slugfest that you know Munster were going to monster their, their way to beating Ulster just because as well Ulster had sort of collapsed in a few games, and it just couldn't have been the opposite. Ulster just sort of just sped away from them, and and Ulster and Munster just didn't have a, an answer to anything. Well, you see, I think there was a couple of weeks before that that they played Ulster in Belfast in the normal, in the the regular season, and they, Munster didn't have all their players available to them, and they were playing. Um, there was guys like Jenkins came on, and they played. They had Craig Casey starting, and I think they played a more up tempo game, and they started offloading, and they they were playing well. And now, admittedly, it wasn't against the first choice Ulster team either, but they were they were playing well. But they reverted back to type in that knockout game where effectively they're trying to play a South African-type game without having South African-type and size players to do it. And that's not going to end well for anyone. Speaking of South African-type players, uh, this is uh, on a tangent, but poor Orgy Simon. Uh, what is the story there? It's, it's, I want to see him play. I'm so... I, I'm not a Munster fan, but I I want to see that man play rugby, you know, and it's we're not going to get that again for... Uh, what is What is the timetable on that? He is back in full training at the moment, um, but according to Graham Roundtree, he is not going to be rushed back. So I'd say it'll be probably maybe week three or four before he starts coming on. And even then, I would imagine it's going to be quite a bit in terms of off the bench and sort of e- easing back into the into the fray. I hope so, because I do want to see him play rugby and we've been robbed of two years of it now. So, um, sorry, that was a tangent just when you mentioned South African players. <laughs> uh, let's talk about squad changes then, uh, Owen. Uh, it includes players in, players out and then obviously with Munster's case, some some coaching staff. So, uh, where do you want to start with that? Well, we'll start, I suppose, with the players out. I mean, um, the big ones, I think, are, well, obviously, Damien Dalende. Uh um and John Ryan, I think they're probably um and or sorry Jason Jenkins as well. Um, they're sort of the big three. I I would say um they were guys who were sort of regularly within the the, the sort of the the first choice um twenty three. Um, Dale Ende was a big loss. He had played so well in the big games for Munster and had done quite well. Jenkins again, another guy with who had been signed on a short term contract and injury just took him away. John Ryan is an interesting one and I believe it was more a financial decision from within within the the overall squad that in terms of Munster need to look and bring through their two young uh tight heads in Salano and Knox and they need to give them game time. And I think it just came down to a straight sort of shootout between Archer and Ryan. And Ryan being in and around the international fringes, etc. um was probably didn't meet the budgetary requirements for that um, from it. Others have left, you know, in, including the likes of Chris Clote and uh, Kevin O'Byrne. Um, and also I, I, someone who I think will do really, really well for Ulster this season is Jake Flannery. I think um, I, I, I really like and I think, uh, him as a player. I think he'll fit into Ulster's system really well. In terms of the players coming in then for Munster, uh, 
Malachi Fekitoa is going to be a straight swap for Dale Ende and from the preseason games looks like he's going to start at 12. Um, you have Anton Frisch as well and Chris Moore. Um, so Frisch is an, uh, an Irish qualified centre that's come from uh, from Bristol through France and Chris Moore is a hooker that's come from Exeter University, so not even from the Exeter club, so from university itself. There's been a couple of uh, promotions through from the academy, but the number of players that have been rotated out versus those coming in or even promoted up from the academy is quite stark. Um, and I think you're going to see this season a huge faith put in the youngsters coming through and a very definite change in the style. So in terms of the coaches, you have the likes of, um, I suppose, Van Gran left, uh, JP Ferreira left um, on that, and... Um, Larkham left as well. So the new the new coaching setup then is Roundtree as head coach, Prendergast as the attack, Andy Kirikow as the forwards coach, and Leamy, uh, Dennis Leamy joining as the defence coach. Um, and before I get into those, the one I still think that the best decision that Munster made in their coaching setup was to keep Ian Costello as head of the academy. And that, to me, was the most significant decision that they made because there was some talk that he would take a step up into the senior coaching position. But with the pathway coming through and the adjustments that he is making there and the changes that he's making and the work that he's doing with the AIL and the clubs, uh, the junior clubs as well, and the school system, he he is going to be the mo- one of the most important figures in Munster Rugby over the next, I would say, four to five years. And the work that he has done, the efforts, and you could see even the respect that he earned as part of that Wasps uh, game and the coordination that he had as the head coach and the changes that he brought in for that. He's going to be critical to how Munster develop over the next few years and bringing that talent through. And there, there is a good bit of talent coming through the system at the moment, but I think he's going to hopefully go out and find a lot more. Um for the, for the, overall, for the coaches, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how Roundtree gravitates from being the sort of unit coach up to a head coach. Um, and then, you know, you've got Kirikau, who is, again, stepping up um, to forwards, which I, I presume will be somewhat influenced by the likes of Roundtree. Leamy is moving, has moved from a sort of a contact coach at Leinster into defence, and I, I presume he will have a little bit more to do in are to do with contact as well as defense in in monster but the real the real i suppose um star in that in that would be mike prendergast and he he was the guy that that was wanted not only by monster but i think by the rfu to get back into the system and to get his attack and so far in the the couple of preseason games that we've seen you know they're they're running a different system they're running they're running a 1331 pod system they're they're using the the two pods of three in the middle of the the um, field and they're looking for to get more out of the players and um, particularly the forwards in their in their ball handling you could see an awful lot of similarities between the way that um, Knox, Salanoa, uh, Josh Witcherly etc have been asked to play in the preseason games by Munster and the same way that the likes of Porter and Tyke Furlong have been asked to play with the ball in hand for Andy Farrell. So you'll see a lot of these um, three-man pods with the sort of the screen passes, pullback passes, using the props as a, as a, as a sort of a distributor or handler from that. And I think that's going to be interesting. And we want to see how Prendergast can continue to evolve 
the the team we've seen some of his attack moves through the backs where they're trying to stack them and then create the width going wide as as they roll out something similar that I think I've seen um Connacht use at times as well from sort of set pieces so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how that evolves over the season yeah I think the coaching staff that's now in place compared to the one that's left it, it, it seems couldn't be further apart in terms of uh how how they're liked among the fans. I know you're a big Roundtree fan. You seem to be impressed not only with his coaching, but him as a person and how much he's sort of got involved and become part of the whole Munster, you know, um, community. Um, how excited... Or even just talk to me about the difference even in positive mindset from Van Gran leaving to Roundtree now taking over. Well, I, I think I mentioned there earlier in, in terms of the the sort of, I suppose, trust in youth. I think under Van Gran at times... Whether whether this is actual fact or not, I don't know. But there seemed to be the idea that players had their game time mapped out for them months in advance. So you young young guys were going to get a chance to play against X team, you know, normally one of the Italians or one of the weaker sides, and they were going to get their chance. But that that might be till February, so you had to wait for your chance. Whereas the the sort of what we're what we're hearing now is there's going to be trust put into the youth and if you are playing well and you get your chance and you take it you have a chance of holding that down it's not a case of no just sit and wait because I think there was some talk about whether whether players were happy whether they were um, I suppose engaged because they knew they weren't going to get no matter what they did in training were they going to get a, a, a true chance out on the field if it was mapped out that far in advance um, I think maybe beyond that the only one that I can think that has broken through completely on that was Alex Kendallin. Um So, but other than that, everyone seemed to be sort of mapped out and, and waiting to go. Uh, let's talk about Monsters. What you think their expected strengths and weaknesses will be this year? Um, I think the weakness is going to be the front row, and I, I don't think there's any there's any real sort of news in that. It's been the weakness for the last while. Um. And it's the for me the position has only got weaker over the summer. The loss of John Ryan, he was the one player at tight head that you could sort of guarantee in terms of being somewhat adequate at the scrum against top level opposition. Um, and he he has now left, so that puts a huge emphasis on Salanoa and Knox, not only just sort of coming up with the goods on one-off games. It's backing it up game after game through the season. And neither of those players has, particularly with Salanoa, have a good injury record. So I think I wouldn't be surprised at some stage to see Munster uh, dip into the transfer market and get a short-term replacement um, if they do pick up an injury or two there with that. Other than that, I think both sides of the balls, their attack and defence is it's not necessarily a weakness, but it's it's not going to be consistent throughout the season as Munster try to bed in the new systems. So it's new new coaches, new systems, new ways of playing. And I think both in attack and defence, it's going to take a while for that to settle in. And I think um, it's going to be, you'll get good games and bad games. And I think there's going to be a lot of inconsistency within that. I think the other thing that you'll see from that sort of new thing is that what they're trying to do, particularly in attack, requires high tempo. And I think you're going to, we're going to see an awful lot around the likes of Craig Casey. I think he could become absolutely vital for this. And I'm 
I'm wondering whether Connor Murray now becomes he's he sort of become that this sort of closer, if you want to call it that in baseball terms. He's become the closer for Ireland. And I think that could be his his position now for Munster as well, where he's on the bench and you see Casey starting. Um and on defense, it's still very much a work in progress. During the during the preseason games, they did get caught narrow an awful lot and were susceptible when big carriers went through them uh, at the middle. Now, whether that's down to where the stage of where they were at preseason, but it will be something that the the teams will look to exploit. Yeah, I've I've often said before, if Munster ever do go to that high tempo kind of game that you know the the types of Leinster play then watch out because I think it could be you know they could go on to win everything in front of them because they have you know they have the players to do it um why you know why why couldn't they go on to win everything in front of them as well so that's going to be dangerous um yeah I think great point as well Murray does seem to be that closer now he's he's accepted that role with Ireland so I don't see why he wouldn't accept it with Munster um and Casey, we all know how talented he can be uh, going forward. Um, is there any young players, maybe some of the, some of them come up from the academy, some that sort of hasn't just maybe sp- sprouted their wings just yet that we should look out for this season? Uh, guys coming up from the academy, well, I suppose everyone knows about him already, but Alex Kendellan is uh, only just starting on his senior contract this season. He'd be one of the ones anyway. I think um, halfback, I think you're going to see an awful lot of um, Casey, and if he's away with Ireland, I think Paddy Patterson has been very sharp in preseason and has a similar style to Casey in terms of that sort of tempo that he likes to play at. In terms of the halfback, as I said, Jay Flannery is gone to Ulster, which does open up a, a sort of a battle um, and makes it a, a two-horse battle to be Carberry's backup between um, Crowley and Ben Healy. Ben Healy has struggled from the bits that I've seen in preseason again under this new system. And he doesn't seem to be, he has struggled at times to get that backline moving, whereas Jack Crowley has been very at home in that system and has looked very good. So I think Crowley could come through um, at prop. You're going to see an awful lot of game time for the likes of Knox and Salano and Josh Witchley. But if, if you're really looking out for one, there's a guy, uh, a back row called Rudon Quinn. Um he is absolutely massive. I have seen smaller things listed on an ordnance survey map. Um, <laughs> I've seen the clips of his try in the preseason. Was it? Uh, yeah, he's a big boy. He is. He he was. He got his leaving cert results. I think a, a week or two ago. Um, he is absolutely massive. He's eighteen, and he was skittling, skittling over. The Gloucester players and like these weren't sort of third or fourth string Gloucester players he was doing this to. He lasted the full, he lasted sort of 60, 70 minutes of that. He's one of the few guys that I've seen come up through the Munster system that has been absolutely, I think, sort of pro ready from day one. And if what, if what I'm hearing in terms of youth been given a chance, he has a real chance to sort of get a bit of game time this season and, and really kick on from there. Yeah, excited for that. Uh, we'll wrap up with this. So, and what, what's a good season for Munster? Then, what's a great season for Munster? I think this could be a disappointing season for Munster, and I, I don't, I don't normally like to be pessimistic on things, but I think a good season for Munster would be knockout of both competitions in the URC and and in Europe. Um, I have a feeling there's going to be some some really good and some poor performances as the players start to bed into the new system and position depth is sort of figured out. Um, 
they have it tough in the ERC, in the um, European competition. They have Toulouse and Northampton Saints um, in the pool stages of that. If they could get three wins out of that, they'd be. I think they'd be doing very, very well. Two would is probably being more realistic, and they're going to come under an awful lot of pressure from Toulouse at, at scrum time. Um, and I think that that'll be a big um, test for them. I think the URC overall is going to be competitive again this season, but I think it might even out a bit more now that the South African teams have to also um, compete in Europe. So the South African teams are going to be stretched that little bit more. They're going to have a lot more travel to do. Um, and it's going to sort of even that playing field just a little bit more. Brilliant. Well, Owen, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate you uh, summarising up there uh, the preview for Munster. Um, as I said before, make sure you follow Owen on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Overhill Prop. Uh, Owen Harrison on Instagram, well worth the follow. Always up for a good laugh as well. And uh, yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the season and we'll have you on again uh, sometime during the, during the year. That's great. Thanks, Stephen. Now representing Leinster to preview their season, we have Jeff Pagano from Harpen on Rugby, a fantastic podcast and well worth a follow on Twitter and Instagram and all the socials. Uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on. How are you? Not too bad at all, Stephen. Happy to come on the pod. Bit, bit nervous um, doing an appearance on a Connacht based show right after an interview with Mac Hansen. But that's a tough. It's a tough gate to follow, but sure, I'll give it a good go. Yeah, well, do, I don't know. Do you have any tattoos? Do you have any tattoos of any characters? Not, not, not today. Not today. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a requirement now for every guest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, obviously uh, on to talk about Leinster. Uh, another good season last year. Um, uh, winning or sorry, topping the URC table, uh, and then being beaten in the semi final by a point uh, against the Bulls. Uh, but from a Leinster's fans' perspective, how was last year for you guys? Yeah, I, I suppose it's easy to say that um, you know. Fallen short in the Champions Cup final was kind of the big moment for us last season. It was obviously a big disappointment. But that was that was a one-off game that kind of went to the wire. If you're looking to summarize Leinster's season, I, I, I like to point to um, two games that came one after the other. It was the quarterfinal and the semifinal of the URC. In the quarterfinal, we came up against Glasgow, and uh, we just played them off the park. Uh, it was 70-odd uh, points. The game was up pretty much over after 10 minutes. And uh, we had a lot of games like that during the season where, you know, it's it's great for the fans and all to see all the tries going in, but you don't really learn that much about where your team is for the big matches. And as it turned out, we had a big match the following week. In the semifinal, the Bulls came to town. They were a different proposition than they were back at the start of the season. We played the first game of the season, beat them handily, but now they were, the South African teams came good after Christmas and uh, they, really, they did a number on us. I mean, it ended up as a, we lost by a point, but that game was over with about 10 minutes to go. We just got a late try to bring it close and um, I think though that the two weeks the difference from one week to the next day that kind of summarized how our season went we had a lot of really big wins but when it came to the the the, the, the big knockout matches where the trophies were on the line um, we, we were just that little bit short so um, that that's kind of how the season went now if I had to pick a highlight from last season this might sound strange as well but highlight for Leinster would have been um, our South African tour we went down um, we, we were already in the Champions Cup uh, uh playoffs and um we had two matches so we sent a young team down there and they played the sharks and the stormers as we all know went on to win the whole thing and uh, they came away with two uh, losing bonus points and as a young team did really well really put it up to them and i think we learned a lot for the season so so strange as though it may seem two games we lost i think that was kind of our highlight of the season because we, we fell short in the trophy front so that's that's kind of how our season went 
Yeah, that, that's the thing with Leinster. Unless there's trophies being won, it's I don't know if you can classify it as a, as a good season, but that's just the standard of, of Leinster. Obviously, they won 95 or 90 percent of the games they, they played, so still good in that front. Uh, let's talk about squad changes, players in, players out on that front, uh, Jeff. Yeah, well, there were there were a good few departures. Uh, we in the coaches' box, we had uh, Felipe Cantaponi going off to the Pumas, and uh, and then in the players' playing squad, we had a couple of a uh, couple of Leinster kind of legends retiring, Devin Toner and uh, Sean Cronin, and there was a, a more unfortunate retirement announced just recently. Connor O'Brien, who looked a real good prospect in the center, um, had to retire because of persistent injury, and of course, you also had Dan Levy as well. Um, so the, the, there was a lot on on that front, but we also had a lot of players moving clubs. We had Jack Dunn and Royal. Lachlan going off to Exeter Chiefs and then we had four players uh, Josh Murphy Peter Dooley Adam Byrne and David Hawkshaw now they went somewhere I can't remember where they went I think it's somewhere out west um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to do really well out there uh, on behalf of Connor thank you very much for <laughs> <laughs> no problem down. yeah and um, when it comes to coming in we've got um, replacing Dr. Phil we've got uh, Andrew Goodman and I think this was a really really good fit for Leinster um, he's worn the blue jersey himself He's uh, but he's also been part of the successful Crusader setup. So uh, he's bringing a fresh look to the back line, and he knows he knows the the lay of the land here in, in Dublin. So that's 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 going to be really good there. We'll see what he does with our backs um, on the playing staff. The two notable additions were uh, Charlie Natai, who plays centre, and uh, so he'll be handy when um, Ringrose and Henshaw are away. And uh, also, uh, Lock Jake and Jen- Jason Jenkins uh, joined us from Munster. Yeah, Jason Jenkins. We just—I uh, was talking to Owen Harrison, and uh, you know they were, they were disappointed they didn't get to see more of him playing for Munster, obviously just due to injury. Um, are you expecting a big uh, impact from him? That's what we need. Um, I mean, I—I I think it's a, a lot of people said of Leinster the last couple of years that we were kind of lacking that kind of beef uh, in the pack. Um, I, I don't think I, I'm not sure that was a, so much our issue last season, but it's definitely something we'll need. Um, and and he definitely brings it. He was looking good against Harlequins recently in the friendly, and um, he looks good in the Leinster jersey as well. I have to say, it's it's good to have him and uh, be a really good addition to our pack. Plus, secretly, you'd be delighted if he worked out for you and not Munster, right? That would be. Oh, you, know, you never know. You never know. I'm not one. Who am I to say? Who am I to say? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, let's talk about the team's expected strengths, which I'm sure there's plenty of with Leinster. But uh, any any weaknesses that you may have potentially seen? Um, well, it's, I feel really well prepared for this one because we just uh, talked about this in our own pod. We went we went uh, really deep into the depth depth charts of Leinster. Um, there, there. I'll get to the weaknesses in just a sec, but um, we, there was an injury report uh, released today, um, and it turns out that uh, Hugo Keenan and James Lowe are going to be out for a number of weeks. Uh, that, 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 that's a phrase that kind of worries me a little bit, but um, it still leaves us with plenty of options. Our, our Leinster strengths are generally in the back three and the back row. We've got plenty of options there. Um, we've got... Um, uh, Jimmy O'Brien can play at fullback or on the wing. We've got young Max, Max O'Reilly, who's been doing well. Um, while, you know, on the wing, uh, Dave Carney is back to full fitness. And uh, Jordan Larmer seems to be on the path back to his best. So we've got plenty of options there. Um, and, of course, then we have our back row, where uh, I always say we could, you could use a one-armed bandit to select our three starters, and you'd still have a decent six, seven, and eight. You've got the three um, the three who are featured with the Ireland team, Doris, uh, Van der Fleer, and Conan. But it's loads backing them up. You've got Reese Ruddock. You've got uh, Scott Penny, who if you if, if he's play, if he's involved in a game, if he's in a 23 in the URC and you don't bet on him scoring a try, 
you're just basically throwing your money away. And um, there's lo- you know, lo- loads of options there. Max Deegan is, is coming back to form as well. Will Connors, I, I, I keep I keep re- forgetting these names that I should be remembering. Will Connors is back to fitness as well. Now, when it comes to weaknesses, um, we were talking about it, and I think that the, the, the areas where we might not have as much in replacement when the when the test players are away might be at hooker um there was another injury announced today james tracy's out for a few weeks he's 31 he's experienced he's he's, he's actually he has some test caps as well um so he's out for a few weeks so we'll be relying heavily at hooker on these two uh younger lads john mckee we picked up from ulster and uh, lee Barron. so we're going to be we're going to be needing them to step up and, and and really hit the ground running when the urc kicks off and then in the halfbacks Obviously, you know, Gibson Park and Sexton are obviously going to be heavily involved with the Ireland setup. Uh, we've got Ross Byrne, Luke McGrath, and then, you know, coming up behind them, we've got players like Harry Byrne, Kieran Frawley's now uh, involved in the 10 conversation. Um, we're, we're going to need them to, to, to gel and, and step up. So it's like there's nothing there's nothing guaranteed there as there would be in the other position. So I'd say that that's, that, that would be our kind of weak points there. What, what does this year look like for the Byrne brothers? Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, Harry kind of, uh, last season was kind of Harry's big chance, uh, to, to, to step up because uh, we had Kieran Frawley was still playing at 12. Um, so it was, it was kind of a, an opportunity for Harry to step up. He didn't, he was unfortunate with injury. He, injuries came at bad times, but also when you get a chance to play at Leinster, as we said, there's, there's so many other options. When when you get your chance to play, you have to take it. And he had a couple of uh, kind of maybe below par performances when he when, when it didn't really suit him to do that. Uh, Ross Byrne is 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 dependable. You you know he's you know he's going to put in uh, a shift for you and he's going to lead the line. He's great coming on for for Sexton when he's when he's uh, a sub in Europe, but he's also good leading uh, a good good name leading the line uh, in the URC. So um, we'll see what happens with the two of them. We'd be interested to see Harry, uh, if he, if he gets his chance this season, he's really going to have to take it. You mentioned Will Connors and you're right. Like it's a name that gets forgotten. And I remember, I don't know, it was the end of 2020, I think start of 2021 where he's playing a lot for Ireland. He was phenomenal. Like he was incredible. And he was that kind of back row where you're, you're like, oh, he's going to be starting every week uh, for, for Ireland. And unfortunately, at your injury, if he gets back, that's going to be such a huge addition. Um, hopefully he does because obviously he had a tough time of it. Um, any young players that we should keep an eye out, an eye out for, uh, Jeff? Yeah, I've picked I picked two for you, Stephen. Um, in the forwards, there's a guy called Joe McCarthy. He's um, he burst onto the scene last season. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he's a big lad. He's good in the line out. He's really impressive in broken play, though. He's never shy to offload. But it's his confidence level that that he has. And uh, while in terms of age. He's actually the youngest of our senior uh, locks at 21. I'm expecting him to get a lot more game time this season. So, and he's he's been, he's already been involved in the Ireland camp as well. So they're obviously got uh, big hopes for him. But then in the back line, we've got uh, Jamie Osborne. Um, I thought he was our best performer in the recent preseason friendly against Harlequins. He can play full back, but he's shown himself to be real strong in the, defensively in the 13 channel. And actually, I thought against Quinns, it was interesting because he was playing alongside Charlie Natai. And I actually thought he was showing Natai the ropes, even though the other guy's got 10 years on him. Uh, he was like helping him, um, uh, you know, get, get to know the way Leinster are doing things. So that was an interesting uh Interesting pairing there, but uh, his his one of his biggest attributes he's got a missile launcher of a left boot, 
And I just have visions of him and James Lowe staying back after training, each over the other dead ball line, just firing them back and forth to each other and don't even have to move. And he's very accurate with it as well. So he's got a real chance to crack on. Um, assuming he's not going to be involved in this emerging Ireland tour, this block of seven games that Leinster have at the start of the season is a, is a, is a time when he can really step up and push on the season. Definitely, we'll keep an eye. Well, yeah, Joe McCarthy, I think, affectionately known as Big Mac, is that yep. is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's already kind of uh, met a stamp, right? So we'll be interested to see how he how he kicks on. Um, this next question doesn't. I don't know if it really applies for for Lancer in the terms of what's a good season, what's a great season, because the expectations are so high. So I think what what's a great season for Lancer? I think is probably yeah. the more apt question. Well, the way the the way the question's wording is actually simple. It it sounds really arrogant um, for any fan to say it like this, but. What I'm the, the 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 reason I'm I'm going to put it this way is because of how last season went, and you always want to build on the previous season. I mean, a good season would be one trophy; a great season would be two. I mean, that's that's I think that's how Leinster are looking at it. Um, because if you look at the depth of squad we had, but like, like you said yourself, we were, we did so well last season, top of the ladder, got to the Champions Cup final, but still came away with nothing. You want to at least match that, but if not, get over get you know, uh, just go to that next level. So that's where it's at. Um, we have to be aiming not to only re repeat those achievements, but just go at least a step further in these competitions. So I think that's what that's what we're looking at. And do you think they've done enough this off season, this kind of summer, to 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 take that next step? There's a there's a there's a few like we said. There's been a bit of chopping and changing, a lot of names coming in and out, whatever. But I think the core of the squad is kind of together, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the squad that were successful last season are still there. So I think that if they can maintain the continuity, especially with especially in the coaching situation where Goodman's coming in and trying to impose maybe a few few new ideas, if they can hit the ground running and start to get the same kind of results early on, I see no reason why we can't can't do that. Brilliant. Well, um, I'm looking forward to watching Lancer play this year. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate that. Uh, best of luck with the season. And as I said, you can catch Jeff on, on social medias at Harper on Rugby. Uh, it's a fantastic Leinster and Irish podcast as well, worth a listen. So, Jeff, thank you very much and enjoy the season. Thank you, Steve. Stephen. Best of luck for the new season.